shot in the end zone. Double coverage, but Randy Moss comes down with it. Unbelievable. Double coverage. He split the defenders. And he makes the score. Five seconds left. This is for the win for all intents and purposes. The play clock running. Culpepper making an audible. Drops the ball, picks it up. He's going to go in for it. And he will make it. Dante Culpepper gets two. And the Vikings sideline has gone nice. This team that we're looking for next year. We're improving It's now. the Going for Two podcast. Now, join your hosts, Ben and Kate. All right, and welcome back, everybody, to the Going for Two podcast. This is week four NFL action. We are back once again on Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Caleb. I am Ben. Caleb, how you doing today, man? Yeah, doing great. Another solid week of uh, NFL football behind us. Obviously, the week four milestone is always a big milestone for uh, the beginning of the season, it leads right into the bye weeks um, and kind of a reassessment of each team of where they're currently standing. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think we're starting to see some of the trans, some teams starting to make some moves, starting to see some transactions starting to happen. There were a couple really big releases that happened, um, actually, I believe yesterday. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about it. I I really like it. The, the sloppy play, which was what we've been commenting on for the last three weeks, it seems like we're, we've kind of moved past the sloppy play, and some of these teams are definitely starting to get their act together, some of these teams. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and I can't wait to cover the suck bowl. <laughs> the suck bowl was a lot of fun, man. I watched that game almost uh, – actually, that it was probably the predominant game that I was watching there for a while because it was nothing but short of entertaining – or nothing but entertaining. It was like a train wreck, man. So bad you just couldn't look away. Oh no, they neither one of those teams wanted to win that game, and it was it was it was great. I thoroughly enjoyed that matchup. But we want to save everybody's time. Um, we are gonna just. I just want to make a special note that we are changing up our format a little bit. We're not gonna be going through all of our three biggest winners and our three biggest losers anymore. We're essentially gonna be doing a breakdown of all of the games, our kind of our our weekly recap of all of the week four action. Um, we're going to be going over our biggest winners and our biggest losers, giving us our hot takes for the week, and Caleb's going to be giving us his special money line, which is funny because since we started doing this two weeks ago, he is 2-0. and So, Caleb, how are you feeling about that? You confident for week, for going 3-0 and this week? Oh, I feel a little money manzel, just money rolling through my fingers right now. So, and hopefully all y'all are listening to me because I've been hammering some good bets here. You no, know, he has been. And so we were actually talking about it before we started recording tonight. So if we had started out with a $100 bet, we would be up to what right now? And we just keep rolling that money over to the next 10, one? 10000 going for 100000 Jeez, that would be nuts. So if we ended up hitting it, we're going to celebrate. So Yeah. We'll, oh, yeah. we'll celebrate. Big party. So it'll be fun. So without further ado, Caleb, you ready to get down into our week four breakdown? Yeah, let's go for it. All right. Sounds good. I'm going to go ahead and kick things off here today with our Thursday night special. Um, we actually recorded last week during this game. It was the Detroit Lions facing off against the Green Bay Packers. The Detroit Lions came away with the win 34 to 20. I think the biggest storyline along this game is the play of Jordan Love. I was really high on Jordan Love coming to this season. I kind of bought into the hype, and I thought the Packers would be sneaky good. Doesn't look like it's turning out that way. There's some real questions there about Jordan Love. And honestly, he's starting to really, for me, he's starting to feel like some of these other younger quarterbacks that really just, it's not clicking for him right now. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, he looks a little lost. The good thing about him is he had, he does have some solid wide receiver play behind him. Um, where is Aaron Jones and the workload that they are currently holding him on a pitch count or whatever? I have no idea where he's at. But the, the takeaway from this game is MCDC has those Lions going right now. They look like a force to be reckoned with. No, I couldn't agree with you anymore. I mean, the Lions look great. Jared Goff looks sharp. Wasn't his best game of the year for sure, but the Lions look sharp. They look good defensively and offensively. And I think another big takeaway is Jamison Williams is coming back. Or Jamison, yeah, Jamison Williams is coming back. So that's mm-hmm. going to be another weapon for this, what's becoming potent Lions offense. Yep, yep. Um, moving on, though, across the pond to London um, for the Toy Story game of the week. Uh, we had the Jaguars first the Falcons. Uh, I believe it was over in Wembley. Uh, really wasn't that much of a game. Jaguars dominated 23-7. to um, Neither team really looked that fantastic besides B. John Robinson shaking a guy inside of a phone booth, just making him look insanely unathletic. No, I mean, it was, it was a mess of a game for the Falcons. It really wasn't much of a game, like you said. Um, Desmond Ritter, I don't know if he's the guy at this point. I mean, that if you look at on paper, that Falcons roster is pretty offensively loaded. I wouldn't necessarily say loaded, but they're very talented offensively. And he just doesn't, I'm, uh, I'm starting to worry that he's just not the guy for the future, Caleb. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway from this, um, as well as the Ritter being unproductive through this first four games of the season is, also, what are the Falcons doing with Kyle Pitts right now? I don't know. I mean, he's one of the premier talents at tight end. I maybe on maybe athletically the most gifted tight end in the NFL. I don't think that's a stretch to say that. Um, he's a freak. We've seen him go over a thousand yards. He did it as a rookie, but that was with Matt Ryan. That's coming up on three years ago. Um, technically, it's two seasons ago. I'm worried about his development, man. I really am. I, yeah, I, I'm, um, I'm, I know I the trade rumors are swirling, so we'll we'll see where he lands for sure. I think if, before, uh, if they do move on from him, I think by the end of the season, before the end of the season, I think we're going to see Kyle Pitts request a trade. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, a lot of teams would be a great fit and in need of a uh, very talented uh, tight end. <clears throat> cough, cough. Bengals and Joe Burrow. Cough. <laughs> I mean, the saddest part is that Jonu Smith, the New England Patriot cast off Jonu Smith, is actually outperforming him at this point, and that yeah, should more catches should never happen for them. That just really shouldn't happen. Um, but do you want to make a special note? Um, what did you think of the Toy Story game? I, I loved it. I loved the idea. It was a little glitchy, um, but yeah, I mean, it was broadcast. I think it was on ESPN, was it not? It was. Yeah. So it was. It was on ESPN, and then it was also on Disney Plus. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was inside Andy's room, fun take, cartoons on Saturday morning for the kids, um, really ushering in a new group of fans and a new generation. So I thought it was all A's in my book, all thumbs up. I do want to say that I do have two small kids at my house, and this was the first time that like my kids actually, my, my son, who is two, loved it. I mean, he was obsessed with it. After the game ended, he wanted to watch it again. So I was like... All right, they're doing something right here. So I just wanted to give a special shout out because I thought it was great. I've seen, a, I saw a lot of people complaining about it, but the thing, it's for kids. Like, come on, guys, it's it's not for the football junkies. Obviously, it's to make it entertaining for kids and allow them to root along with mom and dad. So I loved it. I thought it was a great addition. So props to the NFL for making that happen. 
yeah. but, move, but moving along, um, we had the for the first of our one o'clock slot games. We had the L.A. Rams facing off the Indianapolis Colts, which actually turned into a nail biter going into overtime. Um, the Rams came away with the with the W, twenty nine. To 23. I thought the Rams, I think the story of this game is still the, the continued development and the continued play of Puka Nakua. He has looked phenomenal. He went over 100 yards for, I believe, the third time this season. Just looks like a target monster. Looks like he looks like a younger, faster, better version of Cooper Cup at this point. I am so intrigued to see what Sean McVay is going to do with this offense when Cooper Cup comes back. Yeah, coming back this week. Uh, I saw a video of him in practice just right before we hopped on here. Um, he, his feet and hips actually looked faster than Puka's in the clip that I watched. Of It was like a cone drill back and forth and then uh, cutting into an inside route. And he got in and out of the route quicker than Nakua. So if you pair those on each side of the formation, I don't know how you defend this uh, this roster. <laughs> Man, I don't know. It's going to be something special. I do want to give a special shout out to Anthony uh, uh, Anthony Richardson. Looking kind of good, man. I'm feeling kind of dumb at this point, but he's looked pretty good. He's still raw, but I'm liking what I'm seeing out of Anthony Richardson. Four games in, I'm not going to call that race just yet. No, no, no. I don't want to say I'm calling it just yet, but he's performed. Let me put it this way. He's performed better than I had anticipated. I'll, I'll agree with that. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, moving on though, a uh, little AFC North battle, um, which really was more of a slaughtering. Uh, we had the Ravens going into Cleveland. Uh, the Ravens dominated this game, uh, held the Browns without a touchdown, and won twenty-eight to three. Yeah, it was. Um, I would say the biggest storyline here was just Deshaun Watson didn't play, so it's it is what it is. Honestly, at this point. Um, it was kind of a throwaway game. They, you know, they threw in their uh, their rookie quarterback, fourth round pick out of UCLA, Doriel Thompson, um, who just didn't look like he was ready to be stepping on the field at this point. Um, I actually would have preferred them to have started the other guy on the roster, or potentially to have kept Joshua Dobbs. I think it would have been a better backup than what we've seen yeah, think, from Dorian Thompson. I think Thompson. they're kicking themselves for letting Dobbs go, especially with the production that he's gotten over there in the Arizona Cardinals camp. Yeah, he's looked he's looked really good for them. I've been blown away by the development we saw from Joshua Dobbs. So yep, um, not too many storylines. The I mean, Lamar didn't look too great still, even in the win. That Ravens defense does look very steamy. Yeah, it does. It looks like it's going to be, and they're only getting better as the season progresses. It looks like Jadavian Clowney's kind of found his mojo again. So that's always a bad thing, for, especially for all the other AFC North teams. But, you know, it was, like I said, a bit of a throwaway game there. Yep. yep. Moving right along to, once again, another 1 o'clock slot game. The Minnesota Vikings going up against the Carolina Panthers and in the glorious, glorious return of Bryce Young. Um, the Minnesota Vikings came away with their first win of the season going up against the Carolina Panthers, 21-13. to um, I think the storyline in this game is still, once again, going back to the quarterback position. The Carolina Panthers, Bryce Young, honestly, out of all the rookie quarterbacks from this 2023 crop that have been starting to begin the season, I think he's looked the worst, which is a little surprising to me, but I we've touched on it before. He hasn't looked like the greatest player in the league, uh, or the he, we didn't think he was the greatest prospect in the world coming out of college. That, you know, that Alabama offense masked some of his flaws a little bit. 
Um, but Kirk Cousins came down a little bit, and Jordan Jefferson did his thing. Um, Danielle Hunter looked great on defense. Vikings defense really stepped up. Um, it was a, a decently competitive game. It wasn't just it wasn't a sloppy slog, but yeah. Yeah, um, the Vikings, I think the storyline here is the Vikings finally got the monkey off their back, and they finally got that victory. I think they're going to go on a little bit of a string here. Um, outside of that, again, Bryce Young didn't look too great. Uh, the only bright spot, it seems, that's on the Panthers these days is Adam Thielen catching, what, I think it was like 10, 12 catches a game right now. Yeah. He's, uh, he's like Bryce Young's safety net. Yeah, and they were talking about him being a bust of a signing, you know, signing a 33-year-old contract and giving him about $40 million, I believe. Um, they thought it was a reach, but it's actually looking like a pretty decent signing for Carolina. They're getting good production out of him. So kudos for them for taking the risk. It's paying off. Mm-hmm. Um, another 1 o'clock game that was pretty underwhelming was actually a shocker. The Titans uh, were hosting the Bengals and kept them scoreless, kept Burrow out of the end zone. And that Bengals offense just looks a little dysfunctional right now. Uh, King Henry, Derrick Henry looked uh, like he was in King form again uh, with the Titans routing the Bengals 27 to three, man, this one was ugly for the Cincinnati fans and Cincinnati, the roster, this looked like one of their worst performances of the year. And that's not, that's, that's not saying much. I mean, cause they've looked pretty poor for the entirety of the season. I think we may be getting into this game a little bit later in the show for our biggest winners and losers segment at the end. Um, but yeah, Derrick Henry looked great. Uh, rushed 22 times for a buck 22 and a touchdown. Threw for a touchdown as well. DeAndre Hopkins looked good. But man, that Titans defense looks stout. And they've been stout yeah. all year and they're just getting even better. Yeah, I mean, it's never a good thing for Bengals fans when Derrick Henry has as many passing touchdowns as Joe Burrow to start the season. Yeah, it's been so. abysmal so far for Joe Burrow. And yep. I think... Um, I think on the online social media world, there's not enough credit given to that calf at the moment. Um, it's definitely not healthy. He is not right. I don't think that this is just an, uh, an example of Joe Burrow playing poorly. He is playing poorly, but I think a lot of it, you can even tell by his body language, the man is hurt. He's playing hurt, and it shows on the field. Um, there's no reason a team uh, comprised of... T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon. There's no reason why they should be putting up three points. That's embarrassing. Oh, it is. And I think they'll clean it up. Reports coming out of the Bengals camp is Burrow is healthy and that he felt great after that game, the best he's felt all season. I guess time will tell moving into Arizona here in the next coming week. Um, I know the bye week is right on the horizon as well, so maybe some additional time for him to get back healthy. But – if they don't win this week, I think uh, the season's pretty much cooked. Unfortunately. Yeah, one and four is really hard to come back from. One and three is bad enough. One and four pretty much cooks it. Um, yeah, a really disappointing season for Bengals fans everywhere. I know Caleb yep. and I are crying ourselves to sleep as we speak. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but speaking of cooking, Baker in the kitchen, oof. cooking it up in oh uh, the next segment here uh, against the Saints, uh, looked on fire. Um, Bucks route them twenty six to nine and a game that wasn't even a contest. Man, Baker's looking good. Man, he's looking really good. I didn't, I didn't see this coming. Did you? We had touched about it in the the preseason. We thought Baker there was a potential. Like that was one of our our 
projections to look forward to this year and seeing how Baker did with the Bucks. However, I totally doubted the Bucks' defense on how good they were going to be coming out. I kind of wrote them off. I thought their their offense was a little old and over the hill and was going to uh, digress back on down. Um, but, man, they look really good right now. They're looking really good, and they lost some key pieces on that defense. I know they lost Sean Murphy Bunting, who was their slot corner. Obviously, and Dominican Sue retired. I don't even think he was on the roster last year. Um, they've and they're they're older. I mean, Levante David is still one of their better pay players on defense, and Shaquille Barrett, he's older too. We think he's thirty now, but they, like you said, they look great. I wasn't anticipating this out of Burt Baker. He's been he's been a shocker to me. Um, throwing for three touchdowns, 246, 78% completion percentage. He's looked good. He's looked good. I've actually been hearing his name uh, thrown around in Comeback Player of the Year. Um, and in Hush Whispers, I've been hearing him thrown around in MVP circles. I'm not there yet. but In other whispers, I heard he uh, got caught on camera saying something got hard, a little six to midnight <laughs> uh, from one of those NFL videos that got posted. He is uh he's no stranger to that behavior. We've saw a ton of that at Oklahoma and and uh and in Cleveland. So um yeah, that was entertaining. But moving on, I think one of the games of the week that we've seen so far, one of the better games of the season. Eh, I want to say better games of the season, but one of the better games this week, the one that we are all anticipating. The Miami Dolphins faced off against the Buffalo Bills. The Bills came away with a massive W for them, forty-eight to the Dolphins twenty. I think the storyline here is that Dolphins defense can be had and Buffalo is no joke. It looks like after a slump in week one, they are definitely emerging from that slump. Yeah, the the Bills look like a true force to be reckoned with. Now, granted, we've talked about this in the past, of, and it was the tail of the tape last year as well, uh, with Miami and their defense at time can be a little bit of a liability. Um, and the Bills exposed it, and the Bills looked really, really good. The bright news for Miami is I think they found the starting running back in Devin A. Chain, who re- rushed for eight times for, uh, you know, 101 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, but Tua didn't really look that great. He looked a little game manager-y. Uh, you know, 25 for 35, 200 yards, touchdown on the pick. Nothing uh, really spectacular uh, when you're having to go into Buffalo uh, for arguably a, a game that could decide uh, where you're playing at in the AFC uh, playoffs here come, what, January? Yeah, and for anybody that had questions about their fantasy, I, it looks like it's clearly Devin Ashane is going to be the starter there in Miami. A-Chain. Devin, Devin A-Chain. A-Chain. Devin A-Chain. I only know that because I watched him. I'm a huge AM and fan, and I watched him all year <laughs> run against the SEC for 200 yards a game. Yeah, and he's look, uh, he's looking great. I mean, he's looking explosive and fast. I mean, averaged 12.6 yards per carry in this matchup. It seemed like any time he was touching the ball, he's a threat to house it. Um, it looks and it, it looks like my Raheem Mostert is starting to fall back a little bit in that uh, in that running back room there. Um, he didn't look great at all, but I think the biggest storyline here is the Bills look like they look like the best they have in years. They as of right now, they look better than the Chiefs. Oh, I agree with that. I agree yep. with that for sure. The Chiefs have look great. Something else that I was looking forward to on Sunday. Oh, say it. Here we go. This is the what I'm Suck for. Bowl. Suck Bowl. Just when you thought, and for the for our new listeners, we dubbed the Suck Bowl this year as the Broncos heading into the Chicago Bears, uh, played at Soldier Field. Um, just when you thought the Bears had this thing all locked up, ready to roll, they said, 
aren't we supposed to be drafting Caleb Williams this next coming year? We got to give this game away. <laughs> and Broncos they gave it away. ended up on top, 31-28, in a mysterious game-winning situation. I don't understand it. You know, it's. I feel so bad for Chicago fans because at halftime of this game, everybody was shouting, Justin Fields is the guy. He's come back. He's an MVP candidate. Everybody was wrong in the weeks prior. And then the man, I feel bad for him. He simply imploded down the stretch. For bad. those that you don't know, they were up 21-7 to at half, 28-7 to going into the fourth quarter, and Denver scored 17 unanswered. And Justin Fields threw an abysmal pick six. Then he had an embarrassing fumble to close out this game. That was a nasty one for for, for Chicago. Um, something that hopefully they can build upon, but they do look like the worst team in football at this point. Yep, yep. I mean, I, I don't have any words. The Suck Bowl lived up to its name. I it definitely it. lived up to its name. That is for sure. It was entertainment at its finest. And I'll tell you one that didn't that I wasn't expecting to live up to. It didn't have any hype behind it, but it turned out to be probably the game of the week this week. The Washington Commanders faced off against the Philadelphia Eagles, with the Eagles coming away with a narrow victory, a nail biter in overtime, thirty-four to thirty-one over the Commanders. The Eagles did what the Eagles are always going to do. They're going to put up points in buckets and they're going to play good defense. But I think you called this last week, Caleb. You said Sam Howell is a young quarterback and he was going to bounce back from that four interception game against Buffalo. And boy, did he ever. He definitely bounced back. He looked great. Eagles defense as well. Yeah. And he looked great. So, I mean, I think Washington fans, you've got to be optimistic about the future of the club under Sam Howell and over Eric Bieniemy. And my question for you, Caleb, and this is uh, this is this is a bit of a hot take, maybe a little too early to be saying this yet. Commander sitting at two and two. If things go a little south there in Washington, do we think that there's a chance that eventually Ron Rivera may be relieved of duties and Eric Bieniemy promoted? Um, I think that's um, that's the contingency that Washington obviously played on this whole thing is that Ron Rivera knows he's on the hot seat, and mm-hmm. if he doesn't produce, they have someone that's more than capable waiting in the wings to take over the reins. Um, Yeah, I mean, if it goes south, that's the obvious solution for the commanders. I think it would be – I personally think it would be the wrong solution as this team, from where they were last year to where they are currently at this year, are on a fantastic upward trajectory. Um, But that's just my take. I think the biggest thing that I took away from this game was the way that Sam Howe was able to unlock the commander's offense. I mean, we were seeing production from Curtis Samuel. I mean, he had seven catches for 51 yards. It doesn't seem like a lot, but he was spreading the ball around. I think he threw it to 11 different targets. Let me make sure that that's correct. Actually, it was, it was 10 different targets he was completing passes to. So he's definitely seeing the field well. He's coming off of his first read well. He's identifying second, third, sometimes even fourth options, checking down when he needs to. He played great in this game. Um, he was, you know, completed 70% of his passes for 290 and a touchdown. He looked great. Um, unfortunately, the uh, you know the football gods just didn't bless them this week, so maybe they didn't well, go to church on they Saturday. Kinda, but they, they teased him a little bit. They're like, "This is a little bit what victory can taste like." As he hit that touchdown and to put him into overtime as time expired. I know 
It was it was a nail biter down to the wire. I couldn't believe what I was actually watching when I was watching the game. So, you know, kudos to Washington. I think they may have found something. They're at two and two, still definitely in the thick of things. It's still early, but it was a great game, and I hope we get more games like that. Yeah, I mean, week four overall was good. This next game, kind of a snooze fest. Steelers went into Houston. Houston waxed them 30-6, to and Stroud looks like the best rookie quarterback in this class. Yeah, and it's, I don't think it's actually very close. I was, and I do want to just, I'm going to take my L's here. Definitely going to take my L's. I was so wrong about C.J. Stroud. I thought he was going to be abysmal in that Houston offense, and I thought it was going to be a ton of growing pains. But my goodness, was I ever wrong. Yeah, I didn't realize this Texans defense was going to be this stingy. And granted, they went up against the Steelers offense that is pretty abysmal this year. Um, Najee Harris just not going. He was my rushing pick leader. So that's an L on my forefront on that side of things. But my other picks are still looking pretty good for, you know, MVP, receiving or uh, yeah, receiving leader. Those are all looking pretty solid still. But I, I missed on Najee. Um, but the Texans were the the storyline of this game. Thirty to six win. Um, they look like they found an answer in Stroud. They definitely look like they found an answer in Stroud. It looks like they found a definitive number one wide receiver in Nico Collins. He went off in this game for seven catches, 168 yards, and two tutties. Props to him. He looked great. I think a lot of that's due to Stroud, who had an almost perfect game, going for 306 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, it was it was great. Looks promising for Houston and the AFC South is looking like it's going to be uh it's on the upward tick here, Caleb. Yeah, I think you and I both kind of missed on that this year. We thought the Texans and the Colts were going to be pretty bad and they are above our expectations. Thus now granted, it is only week 4 still, but they are above our expectations to this point in the season. Yeah, they have been, and I am thoroughly impressed. And uh, special note, Kenny Pickett did get, leave this game with an injury. Looks like he's going to be week, missing weeks five, well, the week five matchup for them as well. So that's a storyline you want to pay attention to. It'll be Mitchell Trubisky um, for the foreseeable future until we hear otherwise. But, yeah, want to give a special out to Pickett. Hopefully he can get healthy and get right. Yep. Moving right along to another AFC West matchup, which has been nuts. The AFC West is perpetually in a disarray. We had two teams that actually just unloaded two big prize uh, free agent signings from 2022. The, uh, The Las Vegas Raiders, I almost said Oakland Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders went up against the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers came away with a win 24 to 17. I thought this was a pretty competitive game. Not the highest scoring game in the world, but I thought both teams, they did some good and they did some bad. Justin Herbert, definitely, I will tell you, I do have questions about Justin Herbert. Um, He seems like he has these mental lapses from time to time where he just makes, he can make an incredible world-beating play. And at the same time, he looks like he can come down to earth and be somewhat forgettable. So I do have questions about his his playmaking ability. He didn't have a good game at all. 167 yards, a touchdown and interception, 54% completion percentage. Not a great game for, for Justin Herbert. But on the flip side, Aiden O'Connell in his first, stri- uh, first start coming in for an injured Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have a great game, but for a rookie coming in, a rookie later round pick, day two pick coming in, he was doing some things that I was I was a little impressed with there, Caleb. I like the term serviceable. That's all you want from your backup. Come in, 
feed the ball to your playmakers. Don't turn the ball over. That's exactly. your job. Yeah, that's exactly what no you No one's want asking you to make a Patrick Mahomes, no-handed, left-handed pass. No one's asking you to throw the ball on this huge 70-yard Hail Mary. Just dump it off to the, your playmakers and rely on the team around you. And, yeah, and he did just that. Looked pretty good. Um, the Chargers' offensive play calling is horrendous. Who goes for it on fourth and one on their own 30-yard line in the fourth quarter? I, I don't know, man. And, I mean, I think Staley's on – he entered into the season on the hot seat. I thought he was going to get fired last year, and he didn't. And he made it – he was given another year – I don't think he makes it through this season, especially if they're going to be competing this way. With the roster that they have, the amount of money that they've invested in this roster, they're going to need to see wins here. And I also do want to say one thing. My biggest shocker of this game, and we do need to give a special shout-out, Khalil Mack went absolutely ballistic on the Raiders' offense. He had six sacks in this game. I repeat, six sacks. In a single game, he went to the top of the sack charts for the NFL this season. He looked incredible unblockable that day um last sunday so i mean it looks like they do have something there yeah mini hot take i don't think either of the head coaches for these teams make it out of this year or if they do they're not making it past black monday um that being said there was a notable there was a couple notable injuries from this game Devonte adams mm-hmm. i think it was shoulder and concussion like symptoms from a tough uh tackle that he took as well as um the the hand injury to um oh my gosh why herbert herbert's left hand was just disgusting it had to be splinted it was bleeding i don't even know how he finished the game but just something to monitor moving forward no i agree and i do want to make two special notes and we can move on to the next game for all you fantasy heads out there, everybody with Mike Williams going down, everybody thought that Quinton Johnston was going to be the clear-cut number two there opposite of Keenan Allen. Doesn't look like it's going to be the case. He only had one catch for 18 yards. I think moving forward, it is definitely going to be Joshua Palmer. He, I will say this, Caleb. Joshua Palmer is going to be, his rookie deal is expiring this year. I believe he's a guy that should be making decent wide receiver money. I think he could be at least a number two wide receiver somewhere. So I think he's someone to keep an eye on, especially as we progress through the season. Um, Second thing, both of these teams unloaded key free agents just a couple days ago. Um, the The LA Chargers, their prized free agent from last year, JC Jackson, who was a healthy scratch this week, actually, was ended up getting dealt back to the Patriots for, I believe it was nothing. I think it was just, they asked I think, the, it, was like, I think it was like a fifth, or it was a late round pick. I, I think was it a late round pick? There. Yeah, I think it was like a sixth sixth round or seventh round or something like that but i know that the the patriots are only paying i believe 1.5 million off of his massive salary and the chargers are eating the rest so they were just desperate to get rid of him um on the flip side the raiders actually released chandler jones who i mean i feel like i don't want to really touch on his personal issues on this podcast but if you follow social media you've probably seen some of the videos about him thoughts and prayers out to him and whatever he's going through right now he needs he needs a lot of help and probably medical attention. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of medical attention, the Cardinals need all the help they can get. Oh, they need as much help as they can get. Um, the 49ers were hosting the Cardinals this week. Um, this one was the biggest, one of the biggest blowouts of uh, the year so far. 49ers won 35-16. Um, Christian McCaffrey had four total touchdowns and an absolute routing. 
he had four total four total touchdowns and I think a buck twenty rushing heading into the third quarter. So it was it was just a routing all around. And I will say this much: I think with and tell me if I'm wrong here, with the struggles that we've seen out of Tua, who I believe going into this week on paper, Tua would have been your MVP candidate. It would have been your MVP front runner. In my opinion here, Caleb, and tell me if I'm nuts or tell me if I'm wrong here. I think it's Christian McCaffrey. I think he's your I think he's your MVP front runner at this point. He's rushing the ball hard. He's receiving the ball. He looks unstoppable on offense. Brandon Ayuk looks crisp. Oh man, this this offense. Debo Samuel. Oh, this offense with especially with Brock Purdy, who is the perfect trigger man for this offense. Perfect example of somebody that doesn't try to do too much but does just enough. Yeah. I hundred percent agree with this and just get it out to the playmakers. There's so much speed on this roster. Um, like again, like Miami though, it's almost like speed is um, the name of the game this year. If you want to win a football game and the 49ers have it and uh, it's like a track meet every Sunday, every time they step on the field, it's like slinging it out to Ayuk, Debo Samuel, uh, Christian McCaffrey, and it's just a three-headed monster that just seems to be unstoppable right now. They haven't even been in one close game, I don't believe. Yeah, I, they they have. They've been blowing out everybody, and I think at this point they have to be the Super Bowl front runners. Um, they look like an absolute juggernaut. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have built themselves a dynamite roster. Yeah, it looks really, really good. And again, I know you and I have touched on it in the past, but. Uh, they're saving all that money because Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant, seventh-round pick. Uh, so they're paying him seventh-round QB money instead of first three rounds. NFL cheat code. A, yeah, it's a big savings. So remember this, all you fan bases out there, if you want your favorite team to build an elite roster, you need to draft a very good starting quarterback in the seventh round. That is the key. So everybody keep your eyes peeled for seventh-round quarterbacks. That's how you build winners in this league. Yeah, I think there's only been like, I don't even know if there's been any in the seventh round, man. I know Brady was the sixth round, but I mean, I don't know if there's been any more than that. Um, When was Flacco? Flacco was undrafted, wasn't he? No, Flacco was a first round pick. Was he? Yeah. Coming out of Delaware. Um, There's been a couple that have been undrafted. Tony Romo was undrafted. Uh, That's who I was thinking of. My bad. Yeah, Romo was undrafted out of Eastern Illinois. Um, But speaking, you said the the one of the one of the worst blowouts of the year. The worst blowout of the year was actually our next game. The New England Patriots faced off against the Dallas Cowboys, and it was there's very little to talk about, but also a ton to talk about at the same time. The Dallas Cowboys came away with a massive victory, 38 to the Patriots, 3. The story of this game, man, it's always going to be about the quarterbacks. This is this league is becoming every year, especially with the way that the running backs are going, it's becoming more and more of a quarterback-driven league. Mac Jones did not look good in this game. He was actually benched for Bailey Zappi, I believe, in the end of the third quarter, who came in and didn't look like he could do much better than what Mac Jones had done. Bill Belichick looks like he's he's scratching his head. He doesn't know what he's going to do. I think the biggest storyline coming away from me is a big-picture storyline. I think it's starting to call into question Bill Belichick's roster roster building abilities, which have always been a little questionable, to be honest with you. But the Dallas Cowboys look great. Their defense is really was the one that won this game for them. I mean, well. 38-3, to the whole team won this game, there's no doubt. But the defense looked great. Micah Parsons looks unreal. I can't stress that enough. He has got to be one of the scariest people in the NFL. 
yeah, I mean, the the storyline is definitely the Dallas defense. Um, I mean, Dak Prescott, even in this matchup, though, and I know you and I have talked about this, completion percentage was good, 28 for 34. He only passed for 260 and one touchdown. Yeah, they're definitely the defense was scoring in buckets. And yeah. He only had one rushing touchdown, so that tells you where the rest of those points came from. A lot of yeah, it was and special then, teams and, and defense. Tony Pollard only rushed 11 times for 47 yards. Yeah, it was. Um, this game was over by halftime, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And props to everybody who have the Dallas Cowboys fantasy defense because I witnessed in my league someone down by 20-something points and won because of the the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, and it's uh, it's been unreal if you're playing fantasy. It's almost been unfair to be honest with you. And that's just only speaking from a salty fantasy player myself. Yep. Yep. So on to the most hyped media coverage game of the week. Chiefs in New York facing the Jets. Did you hear who was there? No, I don't want to talk about it. Caleb, don't bring it up. Ryan Riddles was there with Blake Lively. <laughs> oh, really? Because I thought you were himself I, showed I, up see, to the game. I thought you were talking about Hugh Jackman because I know he oh. was there too. Yeah, Deadpool and Wolverine, yeah, both in the same the building. Game. So, I mean, well, we've, we've covered the majority of the celebrities over at this matchup, so let's just get into the game itself. Yep, yep. There were, I don't think there was anybody else. I don't think there. so. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, for some Maybe reason, somebody in the, the stands or something like that, but well, I don't you know. know they it was crazy. Anything. For some reason, I heard that the female viewership of this game was through the roof, and I don't. I just don't get it. I don't, I don't know why, but I, I mean. It's Ryan Have Reynolds you seen and Hugh Jackman. Jackman and Ryan Reynolds. I can tell you that's why. <laughs> oh, for sure, definitely was. But anyway, <laughs> anyways, as for the game, what is your biggest storyline? Would you say for this Chiefs game? And actually, tell us a score update. Yeah, yeah. Chiefs uh, took it home twenty three twenty, and like you like we mentioned before, a nail biter of a game, which was kind of shocking. A lot of people had the Chiefs pegged to steamroll the Jets in this one, especially with how poor Zach Wilson has been playing. However, Zach Wilson looked pretty good. Zach Wilson looked great. He looked yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, considering yeah, what we've I, I seen, think, uh, I think he's on the uptick. Aaron Rodgers, as we know, still heavily involved with the mentorship with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, the dude kind of balled out: twenty-eight for thirty-nine, two hundred and forty-five yards passing with two touchdowns. Um, the biggest factor is the run game really hasn't got going. Mm. The Jets and Salah said that they're going to take the pitch count off of Brees Hall. So that could help the offense here moving forward in the next coming weeks. By Dalvin. Um, go ahead. By Dalvin. Yeah. Yeah. See, Dalvin. I mean, he, he was already milking every last ounce of football out of him there in the first four weeks. I don't think he's got too much left. I think the wheels have fallen off and just in time for Brees to uh, pick up the reins and really run with this offense. And I'm intrigued to see if he's going to be. Um, I think, Caleb, this kind of proved your credence here, because I believe at the beginning of the year you were concerned about the recovery of Brees Hall, and you were like, I don't think he's that healthy. We heard the contrary, and then after that week one performance where he just ran wild, it was like, oh my gosh, people are nuts. He looks great. I think it definitely proved uh, the ne- the following three weeks definitely proved with the point that you were making. He's gotten progressively better each week. Um, I don't think he's back to full health yet. I don't. Um, but the biggest storyline out of this game for me was we heard all week long that there were issues in the locker room, a lot of finger pointing, a lot of guys blaming each other. 
I think I really love to see they lost this game, but that team rallied around Zach Wilson, who really took the loss hard. You could just see it on the sidelines from him. It just really hurt him really deeply. But his team really stepped up, and they definitely uh, rallied around him. That's good to see. It looks like that locker room is solid, and there's a good foundation there. So I'm... I'm looking forward to see what the Jets can do. They they're not in the worst shape. They're not 0 and 4. They're 1 and 4. So I think that um you know I I think honestly with this game it came down to the wire. We do need to stress that it did come down to the wire for this game. And the Jets there was actually a point in this game where I thought the Jets were going to win. Yeah yeah I mean I'm glad they didn't for the money line parlay that was it <laughs> again. Um, but Patrick Mahomes looked absolutely terrible and credit to the Jets defense. Very stout, very solid on the defensive front. Um, a lot of argument about the saw the Sauce Gardner play there at the end. Was it pass interference? Was it not pass interference? What do you think of that? I think it was pass interference. However, I don't like the optics of the ref throwing it after they intercept the ball. If it's, I always say, you know, call a spade a spade, call it a strike. If it's pass interference, just throw the flag, no matter who's on the opposition. No, I agree. I think you're, the argument you're not be made. into picking who wins the game and who loses. You're a referee. If it's a penalty, throw it right away. I agree with that. And uh, just last comment, it did seem like the Chiefs might have been a little distracted. I don't know what's going on, but uh, I, I may, hey, like we said, Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman, very dreamy. And Blake Lively. <laughs> and Blake Lively, yeah. I mean, Ryan Reynolds is the owner of a football club in England. As well as true. Deadpool. That is true. That is impressive. I would be distracted myself. For those who haven't watched the uh, Welcome to Wrexham show on FX and Hulu, great show. Fantastic. Recommend go watching it. Uh, real underdog story. Um, really embodies the personality of uh, Ryan Reynolds. So yeah. just a free little shout out. I enjoyed it. So did I. I've been enjoying it as well. So I can, yep. I can concur with that. Moving what I didn't toward... enjoy is seeing the Giants get routed. By the Seahawks either. on Monday night. Did not either. 11 See, sacks, man. 11, 11 sacks. sacks by the Seahawks defense. <laughs> That's insane. And the final score of this game, Seahawks came away with the easy victory, 24 to the New York Giants, 3. Um, I will say this much to kick off a little bit of the coverage here with this game. I know we're going a little long in the breakdown, but I do want to say, Caleb, Daniel Jones looked atrocious in this game. He made his fair share of mistakes. He had threw bad interception after bad interception. It looks like a biggest mistake in the world for them to have paid him. I think it was $160 million guaranteed over four years. I don't know if it was fully guaranteed, actually. But it was just a bad contract for them. I do want to say, though, this much. The offensive line for the Giants looks like one of the worst in football. Yeah, I think, um, well... I'll just segue right into it. My biggest winner of the week is Saquon Barkley. Wow. And the reason why is because he only signed a one-year deal. That is true. (laughs) He can finally get out of New York after this year. He is not handcuffed now like Daniel Jones to this terrible coaching staff and terrible roster. The only way that our suck bowl would have been beaten is if the Bears and this Giants team Right, and we just had a little bit of a mishap there. We lost connection there for a bit, so we're still figuring this out. But Kind of like Daniel Jones and Brian Dabble. Yeah, kind of like Brian Jones and Brian Dabble. And, you know, I do want to say a few things about that, Caleb. It does look like, 
I hate to say it, but it does look like there's a little bit of tension there in that locker room. Yeah. Hope, I mean, you can throw your application in to coach the Giants next year. <laughs> or, you know, maybe in the back half of this year, because I don't think he's going to be around too much longer. I agree. I agree with you. But I will tell you this much, Caleb. My biggest winner of the week was the Houston Texans and C.J. Stroud. They look like a completely different team. This, the development of C.J. Stroud has been fast. He looks like a premier quarterback in football right now. I think Houston fans are really pumped up that they got a guy like C.J. Stroud who could be, it looks like through four weeks, could, is going to be the long-term franchise solution for that roster. But I, I have down, actually, as the biggest winner, is actually uh, AFC South fans. That division looks fantastic. Trevor Lawrence, um, C.J. Stroud there, Anthony Richardson there. That looks like it's going to be the future. We're still trying to figure out what the Titans are going to be do is going to be doing, but they're always a factor there. I thought this. I'm really optimistic about Houston. I'm really liking what I see about Hugh, uh, from CJ Stroud. Yeah, yeah, and they just have nailed on all of their offensive picks over like the past three years. They hit on Stroud, they hit on Nico Collins, and they hit on Tank Dell, who looks great in the passing game, um, as well as you know adding some additions to their defense. They look like a solid team. Um, the Titans, you know, really good as well. Jacksonville looks like the struggling horse out of the gate. I do think Trevor Lawrence is eventually going to figure it out. That team has a pretty solid roster. And then the Colts, I mean, yeah, Anthony Richardson is trending up. Um, Jonathan Taylor coming back, so we'll see how that mit adds into the mix. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, whole division top to bottom surprising us this year for sure. No, I agree. But we're getting short on time. What are your biggest lose? Who's the biggest loser of the week for you? Um, I think it's the Chargers. Uh, wow. That hand injury to Herbert, I think, is going to provide some struggles and hurdles moving forward. Uh, the finger, if those who didn't see this, his finger was bleeding and got stepped on. It had to be splinted. It was basically almost in a cast. Um, that paired with the awful offensive calling play calling by the chargers i just think chargers fans are in a world of heartbreak for the remainder of the season where the playoffs will get dangled in front of them like the carrot but they're just the gerbil on the wheel and not going anywhere <laughs> unfortunately i like that i like that a lot i will tell you for my biggest loser of the week caleb the easy answer is to say the Cincinnati Bengals coming into football with all this hype. They were supposed to be the biggest competitor to the Chiefs coming out of the AFC. That is the obvious selection. Now, they were a big loser this week. Probably my number two. My biggest loser? Miami Dolphins Twitter. After three weeks of us hearing nothing about, nothing but praise for Tua I thought he could walk on water after what I've seen on Twitter from Miami Dolphins fans. I mean, he's better than Tom Brady, according to them. Coming in, looking like they're definitely mortals and getting beat very soundly by the Buffalo Bills. I saw them turn as quickly as they could on Tua. There's actually tweets coming in talking about get rid of Tua. The whole tone changed. Their entire optimism changed. I just think Miami Dolphins Twitter really comes away with this looking brutal. Dolphins are fine, everybody. They're, they just ran into a really good Buffalo Bills team, a seasoned Buffalo Bills team. Miami's going to be fine. Don't overreact or else people are going to call you out for it. This is me calling out Miami Dolphins Twitter. There's a saying in the South. 
and it's don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just because Miami had one bad game to a Super Bowl contending team. They are in the highest amount of odds to win the Super Bowl this year. Just because you went into that stadium. And yes, granted, it was a bad game. But it is only one loss. They yeah. are fine. They're three As Aaron Rodgers wants to say, relax. <laughs> I love that. Aaron Rodgers, America's quarterback at this point. Hey, but Hey, I, I think I coined that week one when he was running out of that tunnel. <laughs> I've seen that floating around a, a little place. It's like America's quarterback. Yeah, we coined that <laughs> on Monday did. night. You did. You did. You called that in week one. He's, but, I mean, it is the truth. It's a little bit of a sidebar. Man, he has made him. He's gone from somebody who I think a majority of NFL fans outside of Green Bay didn't really like, to now being. I feel like the the public opinion of Aaron Rodgers has gone through the roof this whole off season and his time with the Jets. Best career move for him he could have ever made as he nears retirement. So kudos to him. Yeah, definitely. I think his personality fits a little better in New York than out in the middle of Green Bay, Wisconsin. I think his. Uh... Yeah, just his personality lines up with that city, and the fan base is eating him up. Same, and I'm actually—I will tell you this much—I'm enjoying New York Jets football for the first time probably since that Ladanian Tomlinson, Mark Sanchez team, I believe, in 2010. So I'm actually enjoying New York Jets football again. So go Gang Green. We're—I'm happy to see it. You've been in uh, purgatory for long enough, but you are now free. But the best part of the show here, the one where we can all earn you guys a little bit of cheddar, Caleb, tell us about our money line for the week. All right, here we go. Five-team parlay money line. We have up first tomorrow night, so Thursday night, the Commanders. We're taking them. Then we're going Bills. We're going Texans, Ravens, and then... The Jets, who are out of purgatory, lead us to the promised land. There, uh, the odds on this thing are ten ninety. So hundred bucks wins you ten ninety, unless you've been following along. And from our week one to now, so the first one we hit was uh, a little over a thousand odds. So if you put a hundred bucks on that, you would have won a thousand bucks. If you would have put a thousand bucks on the winnings from that you made from week one to. Uh, the second one that we just hit, you would have made ten thousand. So if you put your ten thousand on this one, you're going for a hundred grand. And then next week's show, we're going for a million. Who we're knows, going for Caleb, the By the end of this year, we may both be billionaires. Yeah, I mean, who needs the Powerball, right? Yeah, who needs that drawing is tonight. I think it just happened, so I might be a millionaire by now. Who knows? I might you be a billionaire. Know. You never know. I hope you are. For all of our sake, I hope you are. Anyways, I'm buying the Arizona Cardinals here soon. Hey, that's what you should do. And we want to do, we do want to go. Oh, that'd be actually really cool. You better hire me. Anyways, <laughs> moving on to the last segment, we're going to go really quick with this. Don't, not, not too much of a debate, but we want to give you guys our hot topic of week four going into week five. This is our segment where we're going to be giving you guys a ridiculous statement that has no bearing or no weight, but is incredibly spicy. So, Caleb, do you want me to go first? Do you want to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Go for it. Okay. So I've been paying attention a lot to college football, and I've also been paying a ton of attention to NFL. Obviously, there's a, there's a correlation between the worst team in football getting the best player in college football. Obviously, selection going into the 2024 NFL draft process, Caleb Williams is the apple to a lot of teams' eyes. 
my bold prediction and my hot take for this week is I don't think that he's actually going to play for the Chicago Bears. I think I think there's a chance either he's going to hold out or he's going to um, he's either going to hold out or he's going to uh, refuse to play for the Chicago Bears. It's just the vibe that I'm that. getting. They are that much of a dumpster fire right now. They are organizationally at fault. They look horribly with their leadership team that's in place. The coaching staff looks like it's in place. I think it's a good train wreck. But if you want a hot week for this or a hot take for this upcoming week, week five football, Caleb, you're gonna hate me on this. I think the Bears beat the Commanders. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? <laughs> Don't you do it? We're in this together, and we're as as PJ Fleck would say, we're rowing the boat, buddy. It's we're a rowing hot take, the boat, man. It's a hot take. It's a uh, hot take. The odds I, are I think it's pretty enough. cold take, ice cold. <laughs> um. In other news, because I don't want to put that evil out there into the universe, um, my hot take for the season is the Chiefs will not make the Super Bowl this year. Oh, wow. Okay. Even though they are the odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl and make it there out of the AFC, I do not think they make it. I think that at most they make it to the the champion, the divisional championship. Um, even hotter take, I think they get bounced in their first playoff game. Wow, that is a hot take. I mean, I think they're going to be really uh, in trouble if Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds keep showing up at their games. It might cause a little, uh, I don't know, a little discord there in yeah, the locker room. Too much room. attention. You never know. Too much attention there. You need that to is calm a hot down. Take. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm going to slip references in the entire <laughs> remainder of the season. Hey, do it. That's what we NFL need to do. Twitter, you need to calm down <laughs> on that to... situation. Yeah. Definitely need to calm down on that one. It's out of hand. It's actually getting to be a little annoying, if I'm being honest with you. But, oh, well, who am I to critique? Anyways, guys, we want to just say thank you so much for joining us on this latest edition of the Going for Two NFL Football Podcast. We appreciate each and every one of you that listen and download the show. It is so much fun talking to you guys each time. I feel like we're getting a little bit better and a little more concise every show that we do. Our goal is to keep it under an hour, preferably around that 45-minute mark. But I appreciate you guys sticking with us and trying to and watching us try to, as we kind of figure it out as we go along. Um, thank you for everybody that likes and subscribes. Every little bit helps our channel grow. We're doing this completely because we want to. We're not making a profit off of it. It's just something that we like to do. We love to talk football. We love to hang out. We love to interact with you guys. But with all that said, I want to say thank you guys for listening to this. This is the Going for Two Football Podcast. I'm Ben. This is Caleb. See you later, guys. And he makes the score. Five seconds left. This is for the win for all intents and purposes. The play clock running. Culpepper making an audible. Drops the ball, picks it up. He's going to go in for And he will make it. Dante Culpepper gets two. And the Viking sideline has gone nuts. This team that we're looking for next year, we're improving now for the future. And what a play by Dante. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong in that play.